This is Smart Poker Study, episode 225. Finally learn to use a poker HUD. In the last strategy episode, number 223, I discussed using the check raise for extra value and bluffing your opponent off their hand. It's poker study time, y'all. Thank you so much for sharing the show with your friends, either word of mouth, via the Twitters, via the Facebooks, um, even the Instagrams, all that jazz. Thank you very much. I do appreciate it. And I have to say, I appreciate my newest Patreon supporter, John Walsh. Thank you so much, John, for joining uh, this Patreon train that we're all on. If you want to support the show just like John Walsh here, go to patreon.com slash smartpokerstudy. There are different levels of support with different rewards attached. And just next week, I'm going to be putting out the new Patreon-only podcast and training video. They're both going to be HUD-related, so if you want more uh, HUD goodness beyond the free stuff I put out there in terms of YouTube videos or this podcast, you're going to have to become a Patreon insider to get those bonuses. And also, once you do become a Patreon Insider, you have access to the current month's reward as well as the archive of patron-only content. I have 32 podcasts in the archive and 31 training videos as well. So there's plenty for you. Once again, go to patreon.com slash smartpokerstudy to start your support. Cool beans, let's get to the month of HUD. Now, a HUD should be an effective tool in exploiting your opponents, but many players, they fail to take the time to learn to use it properly. It's just a confusing jumble of numbers up there on the screen, uh, probably because people just are not willing to put in the time nor the effort to learn the different stats, learn the placement of them, and learn how to interpret the numbers to help you make exploitative plays. Now, I believe that humans learn best in two ways. Number one is by breaking something big down into smaller, manageable pieces. And number two is by taking action on what you're learning. So we're going to dive into both of these uh, in relation to the HUD in just a little bit. But first, today's challenge. Challenge. Here's my challenge to you for this episode. Over the next month, you will choose one HUD statistic to focus on for each play session. Do not move on to another statistic until you feel comfortable with the first. As your pre-session warm-up, in your poker journal, write down these four things about the statistic that you've chosen to focus on. Write down the definition. Number two, write down the formula. Number three, write down what this statistic means and try to put that in a real-world context to help you understand the number. And number four, write down any ideas on exploiting this statistic. Your task is to interpret the statistical value every time a player makes a play related to that statistic. And if it's a positive EV situation to do so, exploit it. And of course, tag and review all important hands. Now it's your turn to pull the trigger and do something positive for your poker game. You better wake up. The world you live in is just a sugar-coated topping. There is another world beneath it. The real world. And if you want to survive it, you better learn to pull the trigger. If you stop the podcast right now and just complete that challenge, you will have done your purposeful study and practice for the next month. But for those who want a little bit more about the HUD, stick around. 
And of course, please visit the show notes page, www.smartpokerstudy.com slash pod two two five. When you go there, you'll see links and screenshots to everything I discussed today. Let's do this. Gambate. <laughs> So let's first talk about breaking your poker HUD down into smaller manageable pieces. Focusing on one small piece at a time, that allows you to learn in a systematic order where the next piece builds upon the prior pieces. It's like building a house. You start with the plumbing below ground and the electrical of course, then you lay that foundation. Then you add the skeletal structure on top of it, then of course you put a roof on top, and then you start building out from the interior. So when you first installed your HUD, maybe it was a Poker Tracker 4 or a Hold a Manager 2 HUD, you probably had the idea that your HUD is going to tell you exactly how to exploit your opponents. But I'm sure that you realized within moments that the only thing a HUD does is tell you how often your opponents make certain actions. The trick is that you need to interpret the numbers in a way that allows you to make positive EV exploitative decisions. So with all those numbers glaring at you from your computer screen, how do you learn each of them? First, you want to start pre-flop and then work your way to the post-flop stats. Now, here's the list of all the stats within my smart HUD and the order in which I recommend that you learn them. Number one is VPIP. Number two, PFR. Number three, raise first in. Number four, call two bet. Number five, fold to steal. Number six, big blind versus small blind fold to steal. Number seven is three bet. Number eight is fold to three bet. Now I don't use just the fold to three bet stat. I use the raise then fold to three bet stat. That's more helpful. Number nine is four bet. Number 10, C bet flop. 11, C bet turn. 12, fold to flop C bet. 13, fold to turn C bet. 14 is bet river, and then 15 is fold to river bet. If you already know stats 1 through 4, VPIT, PFR, raise first in, and call 2 bet, then start with stat 5, fold to steal. In the challenge that I gave you, there were four things you need to do to learn each stat. I'm going to cover each of those in detail with the stat taken directly from my smart HUD. We'll cover all four uh, under uh, as we think about the raise first in stat. Okay, the first thing was to know the definition. Every statistic has its own definition. PFR is slightly different than preflop 2-bet, which is also different than raise first in, but they're all related in some way. Your poker tracking software should have a list of definitions for you to use, or you can look them up online as well. For whatever stat you're focusing on for that session, read the definition and write it out in your poker journal to ensure that you grasp the differences between it and other related stats. So according to Poker Tracker 4, raise first in is defined as the percentage of the time that a player opened the pot by raising, given that he had a chance to do so. The second thing is you need to know the formula. And once again, your poker tracking software should give you the formula. Write this out so you fully understand how it is calculated. This might give you some insights into what you can use the statistic for. The formula for raise first in is simply the number of times a player raised first in divided by the number of the times a player could raise first in. 
The third thing you need to write down in your poker journal is the meaning. And I recommend that you put it in a real world context. So a statistics meaning, it's not the same as a definition. The definition is just what the statistic tells you. A statistics meaning is what you can take away from the number presented. It's the knowledge about your opponent that the statistic communicates to you. So with every stat, I try to put it in a real world context. If the player's raise first in is 20% in the cutoff, this means they raise first in one out of every five hands or even 20 out of 100 opportunities to do so. This really is not that frequent at all. This means they fold or they limp the other 80% of the time that they have the chance to open raise in the cutoff. So we can take this to mean that when they raise first in, they're doing so with a small and strong range of hands. But what if their raise first in is 60% in the cutoff? This means they raise first in 60 out of 100 opportunities. Do you raise first in this often? Probably not. So this tells us that this player likes to play a wide range of hands and plays them aggressively in the cutoff. They're doing more raising than just limping in, right? Now that we know the meaning of these two different raise first in percentages, we can approach playing against these two players differently. For example, we can probably three bet bluff against one of them more profitably than the other one. Now that leads us to the fourth thing we need to write out in our journal. It's know the exploits. Every statistical percentage is exploitable in some way. Every single one. There is no useless statistic out there. You can exploit statistics by raising, betting, calling, folding, or even checking. When you know the meaning of a statistic, you can figure out and exploit against it. So I alluded to it already, but for those two different cutoff raise first in percentages, 20% and 60%, we would probably want to three bet differently against these two players. Against the 60% raise first in percentage, we can potentially three bet bluff more frequently at 60% of the time, their raise first in has a lot more junk like jack six suited, 10 eight offsuit, and king deuce suited, right? They are likely folding a lot of these crummy hands versus your three bet. But against the 20% raise first in percentage, you might want to be weighted more towards value with your three bets as opposed to bluffing. If you do three bet bluff them, it may be a good idea to use hands like with an ace blocker that helps to limit the number of strong ace-king, ace-queen, pocket aces hands in their range. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash smartpokestudy. They have over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And of course, they have all three of my books, How to Study Poker Volume 1, Volume 2, and my latest book, Preflop Online Poker. Now, I recommend that when you start your 30-day free trial, get Preflop Online Poker as your first free book, and then purchase How to Study Poker Volume 1. Listen to Volume 1 first, and then listen to Preflop Online Poker. That's how you're going to get more out of every book you listen to from now on. So once again, please go to audibletrial.com slash smartpokerstudy. study. 
And I've got quite a few shout outs today. The first goes to Bud Kincaid and John Whelan. They went to smartpokerstudy.com slash poker tracker four. And they went there in order to pick up the best poker tracking software available. In thanks to their support, I sent them the Smart HUD. And this is the perfect month for them to get Poker Tracker 4 and the Smart HUD because everything, as you know, it's the month of a HUD. Everything I discussed this month is HUD related. So they are going to get a crash course in the Smart HUD and Poker Tracker 4 this month. Thank you very much, Bud and John, for that support. And speaking of the Smart HUD, Paul Spillane and Vidar Sorensen, they already owned Poker Tracker 4, so they just bought that Smart HUD directly from me. They went to smartpokerstudy.com slash smart HUD. They saw the screenshots right there. They realized how beneficial that HUD is for exploiting their opponents, and they made the purchase in support of the show. Thank you very much, Paul and Vidar. Once again, smartpokerstudy.com slash smart HUD. We had a few people purchase my books. Um, How to Study Poker Volume 1 and Volume 2 were both purchased by Vidar Sorensen, Ben, and John Whelan. Thank you guys so much for buying those books directly from me. And you can find links to these in the show notes. And lastly, the Profitable Bluff Seabets and Double Barrels webinar was held last week. And it was a really good one. I re- I'm really proud of this webinar, actually. I worked really hard to simplify bluff seabedding and double barreling. So I want to thank Luigi Capel, Vidar Sorensen, Oliver, CJ Bell, Chris Morgan, Johan Cederlin, Ludo Visar, Bud Kincaid, and LTU Maximus for picking that up. If you want to get it as well, uh, just go to the show notes page for a link. Alrighty, back to class, poker people. Now that we've discussed the simple steps to learning each individual HUD statistic, let's discuss taking action on what you're learning. So all of this statistical learning, it won't do you any good if you don't utilize the HUD in-game and base some decisions on the numbers that you see there. By focusing each session on just one statistic, the experience of repeatedly looking at that stat for each of your various opponents is a killer way to learn the stat you'll force yourself to gauge what their different percentages mean and think about the ways in which you can exploit those percentages. Head over to the show notes right now for a screenshot of a six max table where every opponent has a different raise first in percentage in my smart HUD right there. We are going to ignore the sample sizes for now and just look at the percentages. I'll cover sample sizes and the number of hands needed for good reads in next week's episode number 226. So take a look at that screenshot. We're going to go around the table right now. Seat 1 is Villain 11. I've anonymized the names, of course. So Villain 11, their raise first in is at 25%. By raising first in one out of four hands, they have a relatively tight open raising range. This is pretty good news because they have ultimate position on us, but they're not super aggressive. Hopefully, when we raise first in, he won't be actively three-betting us. Continuing around the table, seat number two, villain 12. Their raise first in is at 33%. This indicates a rather wide raise first in range, and anything over 30% is wide. We might be able to exploit their loose aggressive tendencies by 3-betting them from the small blind if they open and then fold a lot from under the gun. Now seat 3, villain 13. This one has a raise first in at 0%. We're going to exploit this by giving any preflop raise that they make. We're going to give it the respect that it deserves. 
Seat four is villain 14. Now, this player is two to our right, so we have great position on them. Their raise for Stin is a really tiny 10%. This means we need to give their raises respect just like we do uh, seat four, villain 13. We can call with speculative hands that can crack big hands, and we can three bet very big with pocket kings and pocket aces, because we kind of assume that because they raised preflop, they have a very good chance of having a strong hand that can play back at us, like ace king, pocket queens, or even pocket jacks. Now, seat five is villain 15, the most aggressive player at the table. They have a large raise first in at 56%. So it's really good there that they are on our direct right and we have ultimate position on them. They play so many pots that we can 3-bet wider for value if they open raise and then call a lot, or we can 3-bet bluff them very wide if they fold after raising a lot. And lastly, it's us, the hero in seat 6. Now, we have a raise first in of 21%. The rest of the table, they can probably expect us to play a tight aggressive style like that player in seat 1 to our direct left. We can exploit this by trying out a few more aggressive bluffs every now and then, especially with position, and if they give us any respect at all, we'll have more fold equity because of this. Now let's look at this exact situation. Is this a positive EV opportunity to exploit? In the screenshot, you can see that under the gun and MP both folded. Then, villain 15 in the cutoff, they raise first in to just under three big blinds. We know that they raise first in 56% of the time, so it's a good player to three bet against because they've got such a wide and weak range. But there are a couple of things going against us on the button right here. Number one, we hold the super crummy queen deuce offsuit. This blocks hardly any strong hands, only pocket queens, ace-queen, and king-queen. This isn't nearly as good as holding an ace. Also, this kind of hand just does not flop well. And the second thing going against us, while their raise first in is high, their fold to 3-bet after raising is super low at 13%. And if you look at that screenshot, it's the statistic right next to the raise first in stat. My 3-betting range here against this opponent would probably be something like pocket 8s or better, Ace-9 suited or better, Ace-10 off-suited or better, and Queen-Jack suited, probably because I believe he can call with plenty of worse hands. I would also end up calling here with smaller pocket pairs, lots of suited connectors and suited gappers, as well as some suited aces and some suited kings. But we've just got the Queen-Deuce off-suit, so I'm folding here and I'm going to watch the action play out for the rest of the hand. <laughs> This episode isn't complete until you head to the show notes page at www.smartpokerstudy.com slash pod 225. Go there for screenshots and links to everything discussed today and to discover ways in which you can support the podcast and keep me keeping on. Thank you so much for listening today. Make sure you step into action with today's challenge if you want to get the most out of this episode. And if you enjoyed the episode, please tell a friend or leave a glowing five-star review on your favorite podcatching app. Alrighty, Poker Peeps. In the next Strategy Friday episode number 226, I'm going to discuss sample sizes and the number of hands you want to see for reliable statistics. Word of mouth is the best advertising, so thank you very much for sharing the show with other poker people. Your sharing and caring is what helps us grow. 
Until next time, study smart, play much, and make your next session the best one yet.